بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ونسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ سنائی از دا ٹوینٹی سکس آف مے ان دا ایئر الحمد للہ وی موو آن ٹو دا تھرٹی تھرڈ نائٹ دا وی گوئن تھرو دا میجسٹک ایگزالٹڈ لائف آف دا ایم اینڈ کمپنی Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu And I spent a few sessions taking a glimpse into his love of the glorious deed of Salah. And the last thing I mentioned was that he would rush from his dwelling to the masjid in order to catch the first takbir. And then I mentioned that this is understanding the prophetic statement where he mentioned you should not rush but this is excluding of course the first takbir. So in a famous report, this is recorded in Tirmidhi number 240, Targheeb number 261. Sayyidina Anas radiyallahu, he relates that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Man sallallahi arba'ina yawman fi jama'atin yudliqu attaqbirat al-ula kutibalahu bara'atan bara'atun finnar wa bara'atun minan nifaq. Whoever offers Salat in congregation sincerely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for 40 days, catching the first takbir, then two proclamations are written for him. Absolution from the fire and absolution from hypocrisy. Subhanallah. So in this report, our beloved messenger encouraged one and all sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that you should try at least, at the very least, one should strive to acquire this virtue at least once during one short life. So what did he say, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? That you offer the congregational prayer sincerely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it says for 40 days. So 40 days means 200 obligatory prayers. So you don't miss the opening takbir for 200 farad prayers. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, if you can do this, bara'atan, bara'atun finnar, wa bara'atun minan nifaq. A proclamation is made. Just like you get the fanfare, you know, when the king is passing, and you got those uh, servants of his blowing the bugle, where he's making a proclamation. So a, a noble proclamation is made, and it is written for him, that he will not enter the fire and he is not a hypocrite. Now think about that. If you can offer 40 obligatory prayers without missing the opening takbir, sorry, um, 200 obligatory prayers without missing any of the, the prayer, then you are free from the fire and you cannot be a monafik. So this is again a great incentive for one and all. So how did the Salaf act upon this? Sa'id ibn al-Masayyib, his commitment in this regard, he had once said, I have never missed the first takbir for 50 years. I have never missed the first takbir for 50 years. This is in Abu Na'im al-Hilya, volume 2, page 163. So think about that. 50 years. So when they heard these reports, they were probably thinking, is that all we need to do? 
And the irony is when we look at the same report, it's like a mountain. <laughs> That's why I said at least once in your life. He didn't miss the Thakbir for 50 years. So what is that compared to 40 days? So imagine how many 40 days are there in a year. So let's say 9 times that by 50. He did this 450 consecutive times without missing the opening Thakbir. So their commitment was something else when it comes to the Salah. Whilst those whose aspirations are low in this regard, then reflect upon Ibrahim Al-Taymi's words. If you witness a man neglecting the first Takbir in congregation, then know that he bears no goodness in him. This is recorded in Abu Na'im Al-Hilya, volume 4, page 215, Hafiz Zahbi in his seer, volume 5, page 62. So Ibrahim Al-Taymi is from the era of the Tabi, he said, if you witness a man neglecting the first takbir, he didn't say it's a problem. He goes, there's no goodness in him. Meaning that, what is he doing? So note, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiyallahu, he would rush to make sure he did not miss the opening takbir. And in another report, it mentions that it's khayran kathir, it's, it's an abundant goodness. In another report it mentions, this is recorded in Sayyid Muslim, Abu Atiyah rahmatullah he said, Myself and Masruk rahmatullah once visited Sayyida Aisha radiyallahu and we asked, O Ummul Mu'mineen radiyallahu, there are two companions of the Prophet One of them is quick to break his fast. He is also quick to observe the Salah. The other companion, he delays in breaking the fast and he delays in observing the salah. I, which would you prefer? Sayyida Aisha radiyallahu inquired, which of them is quick in breaking the fast and quick in observing the salah? We answered Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu. She said, this was the practice of Rasulullah. <laughs> So look how beautiful. The Tabi'een did not want to mention the names of the Sahaba. They just says two Sahaba. Well, we know it's something about them. One of them is quick in breaking the fast, meaning as soon as it's Maghrib enters, he doesn't delay. He instantly breaks his fast. And when the time of Salat enters, he prays. The other companion, he delays. Now this doesn't mean obviously till the stars start emerging. He just meant he gave a few extra, maybe a few minutes. Or he prays the Salat, but he doesn't pray upon his entry time. So all our mother asked, which one is the one who's quick in breaking the fast and quick in offering Salat? Only then they mentioned Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. And she said, this is the Sunnah of Rasulullah. So note, he was the you know carbon copy of the Prophet So note in Salat, they were asking about Salat, why? Because they needed clarification with regards to what is the more preferable course, i.e. with regards to this great deed. Indeed, it would thus greatly trouble Abdullah ibn Mas'ud when he noticed some of the male folk not even attending the congregational prayer. So think about that. There was actually people who were praying, but they weren't attending. 
So he made a very famous statement, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. In Sayyid Muslim, Nasai Abu Dawood number 550, Ibn Majah number 777, Tarheeb number 258, Mishkat. The man who likes that he may meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tomorrow as a Muslim, then let him guard those prayers at that place where the azan is called for them, i.e. the masjids. So what's the first thing he mentioned? He said, if you would love to meet your Lord as a Muslim, now, that's not even an option. It's not an option to say, well, I'll, no, I'll, I'm not bothered. I'll meet your kafir. So what he's basically saying is, if you want to die as a Muslim, guard your prayers where the azan is called. So what was he saying? If you pray at home, you will lose your iman. Then he said, Undoubtedly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has clarified the sunans of guidance for you through the Prophet. Hence, understand to offer them, i.e., the salat in congregation within the masjid, is also one of the sunans of guidance. Noted well, if you therefore perform your salat in your own dwelling, even as this laggard says salat in his dwelling, you will be leaving sunnata nabiyyakum, your prophet sunnah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And if you leave your prophet sunnah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you will certainly go astray. It used to be observed by ourselves that we did not find anyone lagging behind from the congregational prayer, except a hypocrite known for his hypocrisy. Indeed, even an ailing man would be brought to it, supported by two men, till he stood in the roads. So this is a very famous statement, but now you know who's saying it. <laughs> Unfortunately, people quote this, and it goes, well, who's this? Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. So what was he warning you? He was basically saying, if you do not attend the congregational prayer in the masjid, and this is, of course, if you don't have an excuse, there is a danger that you will die without Iman. That's the first thing he mentioned. Then he said, this is the sunnah of guidance. This is what Rasulullah left us on. If you leave your Prophet's sunnah, you will go astray. And just as a point of interest, this is one of the proofs the Hanafis use to say that if you leave the sunnah, which are stressed, you're sinful. People say, where is the proof of the Hanafis? This is many open the only thing, you know, there's got to be a proof. And they use this statement of Ibn Mas'ud, meaning if what can be worse than losing your iman? Not even, you know, you can't even argue over that point. Then he said, We in our lifetimes we would notice only the hypocrites would not attend the congregational prayer. It was a clear sign to us who the monafics were. So who would try to miss the congregational prayer? Abdullah ibn Ubay. The chief hypocrite, because we noticed that. In fact, in a famous report, the Prophet said two prayers are very difficult for the hypocrites, i.e. in congregation, the Fajr and the Isha. So if you look at the state of the Fajr in a lot of parts of the world, you can see what state the Muslims are in. You know, people were asking to make an extension for the masjid once, because we need to accommodate. And they brought the surveyor, you know, the person who was going to give the green light for Jummah. So this surveyor was a bit, you know, he knew he's not, he wasn't stupid. He goes, what's it like a Fajr? <laughs> because you brought before Jummah. 
Fighting two, three people. As if to say, well, what do you need an extension for? What sort of a joke is this? Right? So note again, this is the state of the Muslims. They're leaving the prophetic example and then eventually shaitan gets a foothold in. And then look what he said. You know, he hasn't finished. A man would be brought to the congregation of prayer supported by two men even when he was ill. Now what's strange about that? Illness is one of the excuses. So somebody says to you, I'm ill, and he's genuinely ill. He hasn't got an infectious disease, so don't spread him, but he's, he's ill. So let's say the doctor says, look, you need to rest. You know, maybe he gets out of breath when he walks. But he's still making effort to go to the masjid. A lot of ignorant people will say, what are you doing, uncle? You don't need to come to the masjid. They're right. But I don't want to leave sunnat al And what's beautiful about what he said was, he mentioned a man. But the greatest example was the Prophet. When he was dying, he was also attending the congregational prayer. And look at how much he tried to still attend when he physically couldn't. The Hadith in Bukhari Sharif says, he was fainting. He gave me some water. And then he bathed. And then he goes, he, he gets his strength. Then he fainted. He gave me more water. And this happened a few times. So imagine, look at his love for the congregational prayer. Which one of us in a, well, he's dying. He's like, he's ill. He's on his deathbed. And he literally has to do ghusl to try and get some strength to attend the prayer. And when he physically couldn't even get up, he then said, tell Abu Bakr to lead the prayer. <laughs> and a lot of people then don't focus upon that. What was the Prophet trying his utmost with every sinew of his holy body, trying to attend the prayer? Before he was going with the help of two, Abbas and another companion. Sometimes Ali, sometimes Osama, sometimes another companion, radiyallahu ta'ala well, imagine if you saw that, we think that's a strange sight. Imagine you saw somebody coming to the masjid and he's being helped with and he's dragging and two men are helping him. You think, we're glad tiding to the strangers. Now, you get a real fever, I can pray at home now. So note again, the state of the Muslims. Had not our beloved messenger famously said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes on helping the servant as long as the servant helps his brother. In Sahih Muslim, Nasaya Abu Dawud al-Madi ibn Majah Hakim Tarheeb number 633. So how is that related to this? If you are helping your brother to attend the congregation of prayer, who's going to help you? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do we help people to come to the congregation of prayer? Or do we get shotgun at? Right? So this is why it's so important to encourage each other. Brother, you should be praying in the masjid. And really in your heart you're thinking, Ya Allah, I want your help. This is a means to get your help for me. When you're a bit weak in the congregational prayer, the scholars say, exalt others to the congregational prayer. And Allah Ta'ala will help you to attend. Look how beautiful and simple the advice. I'm weak in attending the congregational prayer. And then you go, brother, tell others to attend. And he goes, does not make me a hypocrite. And the response is no, because when you're telling others, you're really telling yourself. Brother, look, you need to attend the fajr. When in your heart you're saying, Manafik, when you're going to get it into your life, fantastic. And that, by helping others, Allah promises to help you. And this is why enjoying the good of forbidding the evil is such an important deed, but people don't fail to realize that. We want the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So note the congregational prayer. And also there's a report. The hadith is in Sayyid Muslim. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I'm paraphrasing the, the hadith. He said, if it wasn't for the women and children, 
I would burn the dwellings of those who don't attend the congregational prayer. One report mentions the Friday prayer. One mentions the congregation. So think about that. The Prophet didn't do it, said Allah, so obviously, you know, we're not saying go around, this is Sunnah. But the fact that he said it, Rahmatulil Alameen is going to burn your dwelling down. If he knows you're not going to attend the, the prayer, so what greater threat can you have from Rasulullah himself? And because if it wasn't for the women and children, that's a slap in the face. Why? Because you're a woman if you're praying at home. You might have got the biggest biceps and, you know, greatest, you know, physique. You're a woman. You're not coming to the masjid. The scholars differ. Some scholars say it's obligatory to attend the congregational prayer. Some say it's wajib, bordering on the obligatory. Some say it's sunnah, mu'akkidah. Whatever the case, leave that to one side. You should always strive to attend if you've got the means and the ability. Very important. And what Ibn Masood said, if you want to die as a Muslim, the choice is yours. With regards to the Sunnan prayers, Abdullah Ibn Masood, he said something very interesting, radiyallahu. In Ibn Majah, Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, Ibn Khuzayma Sahih Targheeb, number 280, I once asked, Ya Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa what is more excellent, the Salat in my dwelling or the Salat in the Masjid? The Prophet said, Do you not see towards my dwelling and how close it is to the masjid? No, I offer salat in my dwelling is more beloved to me than I offer salat in the masjid. Except if it is the prescribed salat. So now what's fascinating here? Sayyid Hadith and Ibn Majah. Who's asking? The Jurist, Abdullah ibn Masood. So he said, Ya Rasulullah, is it better to offer the prayer in the masjid or at home? He's referring to the sunnah. Mm. So the Prophet didn't just say, better to pray at home. First, look what he said to him, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He goes, how close is my dwelling? <laughs> it was, he walked into the masjid. So it's not like, oh, it's, you know, he's, he's pointing to the his door, the door of his dwelling. He goes, how close is the masjid to my dwelling? And I offer my salat in my home. Then he says, Illa antakuna salatan maktuba, except if it is the obligatory prayer. So now this, you know, again, you need to explain this. Does that mean that when you are in Makkah and Al Madina and Aqsa, it is better to offer sunnah at home? Because the Prophet was obviously referring to his masjid, Masjid al Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the scholars point out here, this is talking about those who are resident there. If you are resident there, you live there, this applies. Those who attend, i.e. the guests of Allah during the Hajj, the Umrah, it goes, it is better for them to offer the Sunnah in the Masjid. So not even with this, this fiqh. So you just can't quote Hadith and then confuse people left, right and center. So. Then he goes, yeah, but Ibn, Ibn Masood lived there. He was the servant of the Prophet. The Prophet was talking about his own dwelling. So when it comes to the holy cities, you need to pray in the masjid. In fact, the hadith says that whoever prays in my masjid, it is more rewarding than a thousand anywhere else except Masjid al Haram, Bukhari and Muslim. One of the scholars said something very interesting about this hadith. He said, this is not talking about the farad. This is talking about any salat. The Prophet didn't say, whoever offers the farad prayer in my masjid. He goes, whoever offers salat 
in my masjid. So any salat multiplies more than a thousand. So what do people do in Medina? I'm going shopping. I need to stay in air conditioning. All right, brother. See you later. <laughs> Get to the masjid. Offer ishraq. Masjid al-Nabi. Is why you prof- <laughs> strange question. Why are you offering ishraq? Because it's more than a thousand ishraqs. I'm not going to probably do offer a thousand ishraqs in my lifetime. I might as well do it here. Then you stay for Salatul Duha, Masjid al-Nabi, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. What are you doing, brother? I'm offering more than a thousand Salatul Duhas. What are you offering nafl for? More than a thousand nafls. Has anybody bothered telling us that? Everybody seems to give the impression it's only the farad. That's not the meaning of the hadith. The meaning is Salat. And what about Masjid al-Haram? Is a more than a hundred thousand. So people should just be camping up in the masjid. But what do they do? Can't wait to get back to hotel. Too busy here. Too much crushing going on. And then he goes, then you can start knocking yourself out back home and down. Mashallah. Right? Why do you do it in the place where you're supposed to be doing it? So note again, you know, all these things, you know, which uh, we are oblivious to. Indeed, our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the excellence of a man's salat in his dwelling over his salat where people may see him is just like the excellence of the obligatory over the optional. This is in Behaki, Targheeb number 283, it's Hassan. So when you offer the Sunnah prayers at home, it's more rewarding than offering the Sunnah prayer in the masjid 25 or 27 times more rewarding. So think about that. You offer two rakat maghrib, two rakat sunnah, you prayed in the masjid. If you prayed at home, it would have been 50 or 54 rakats. You've deprived yourself. That's what the Prophet is telling you. He goes, it's, the, it's like the fadad over the optional. Now think, there's another secret here. The Prophet said it becomes like the obligatory. Now why is that so important for us to get into our lives? Why do we need as many obligatory prayers in our accounts? Because we don't know if, if our prayers are accepted or not. Good. So on the day of judgment, Allah Ta'ala is going to start looking at your optional. But how many optional rakats are needed for the fadad? The scholars differ. Some say 70, some say this, some say that. But if you've offered the sunnah at home, it's one for one. So let's say, you know, God forbid, 10,000 rakats of your fadad are faulty. Hopefully you've offered 10,000 rakats sunnah at home. Otherwise, I don't know how many rakats you're going to have to play. If you did it in Masjid al-Haram, very good, very clever. Very clever, you know, what a, what a clever person you was. Did you offer your Masjid al-Nabi? Mashallah, excellent. Masjid al-Aqsa. Where did you go? Pancake, mashallah. <laughs> in Ibn Khuzayma Sahih, Tarheem number 283, Sayyidina Anas radiyallahu anhu alayhi sallam, Abu Nubid Messenger said, sallallahu alayhi sallam, Akrimu buyutakum bi ba'di salatit. Raise the honor of your dwellings with some of your salah. Look at these words the Prophet uses, sallallahu alayhi sallam. Akrimu buyutakum. Akrimu means honor. No, um, Akram, one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Akrimu, but you honor your dwellings. There's a way to honor your dwelling. How? Getting work is in, right? Akrimu, but you took salatikum. With offering some salat. It honors your dwelling. The Prophet will honor your dwelling. Those Umar radiyallahu he relates that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa as for a man's salah in his dwelling, it is a light. For no those illuminate your dwellings. This is in Ibn Khuzayma Sahih, Tarheeb number 281. 
So note, honor your dwellings by offering optional prayers within them and illuminate your dwellings I by offering optional prayers within them. So note, there's so many reasons why we need to offer the optional prayers in our dwellings. But at least get into a habit of offering some. Some are very easy to offer at home. The sunnah of the fajr, very easy to offer at home. Zol may be a bit more difficult because you might be busy working, whatever. Asr, it's rare mawqi, so you might have more option there. Maghrib, so again, at least right there, yes, I did offer a few optional prayers at home. And to finish, in Sayyid Muslim, Targhim number 278, Sayyidina Jabir radiyallahu relates that Abu Lubin Messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ جَائِلًا فِي بَيْتِهِ فِي بَيْتِهِ مِنْ صَلَاتِهِ خَيْرًا Verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes his dwelling to be blessed with goodness due to his salat therein. Subhanallah. So in Sayyid Muslim, what did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say? Allah ta'ala causes your dwelling to be blessed with khair, khaira goodness because of your salat. When people say, I don't feel there's any blessings in my dwelling. Are you offering any optional prayers there? <laughs> and the response is, no, then what did you expect? Are you reciting in the Quran there? No, then what did you expect? <laughs> All the sun is Bollywood and Jollywood, right? What do you expect to happen in your dwelling? <laughs> Shaitans and the Komodai angels. <laughs> so one of the ways to get blessings in your dwelling is to offer salat, the Prophet mentioned. <laughs> so note again how detailed this deed is. And how the great Ibn Mas'ud was asking all the pertinent questions with regards to this deed. Why? Because he had a great love for this deed. So all I mentioned today, again, was Sayyidina Ibn Mas'ud's connection to the glorious deed of Salat and some of the more important narrations in this regard. Are there any questions you ask? Subhanallah <laughs> bihamdi